Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 167. John and Wendy talk to Talia Edmondson. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you today, John? Wendy, I'm well. Hard to believe it's May. Right? We're well into the year. Yeah. We are super stoked, though, for May that we have a new sponsor on board. Yes. So exciting. People Element. People Element. We want to thank Tom Horn and the folks at People Element for sponsoring not only today's episode, they're going to be sponsoring the month. They're going to be taking part in our first chat this month, which I think comes like right out after this. And then we're going to be doing a special show with Tom and somebody else from People Element to talk about what they're doing and the cool stuff they've got going on in the space. We want to thank People Element for being part of the adventure and certainly for sponsoring May. I think it's going to be uh, some great stuff to come of it over the next few weeks. Very excited to learn more about them and definitely hanging out with Tom is always fun. It'll be a good time. It's great to have Talia back. Probably yes. the quickest return we've had of somebody to Probably. the show. Uh, but, you know, Talia joined us uh, just just recently for the TNT episode, as we call it, with Tamara Raspberry. Really excited to have her back, though, for her just to talk about what she's got going on directly. Let's make the introduction and get started. Yes, so excited to have Talia on the show. She's been one of those folks that we've wanted to have on for some time. Happy to have her on twice in 2021. She has spent nearly 20 years in human resources. She is most known for building the people operations functions for the Philadelphia-based e-commerce company, RevZilla.com, taking the organization from 40 to 475 employees in less than eight years. Talia launched HRNB Consulting to guide startups and small businesses as they think through developing people-focused workplaces. HRNB offers exclusive HR support, project-based consultation, functional coaching, and people operations team installation. Talia, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you on. Um, And our first question always, what's in your glass? Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee is in my cup for today, for right now. But thank you so much for having me back. I had a great time the first time, so I figured (laughs) I would take you up on your offer to, uh, to come back and chat again. Talia, we did as well. When you were first on with Tamara, we talked a little bit about how you first got into the HR space. A lot of your experience has been in startup and in that startup world. What do you really enjoy about that environment? What was the draw to it? When I started working with Revzilla, that was the first startup I ever worked in. I didn't know it at the time how much I was going to enjoy it because a lot of it is extremely frustrating there were tears shed. Um, some days, you know, were felt like complete chaos and I like I couldn't get any traction. It took a solid, I'm gonna say six months to feel like I finally had my feet under me because when you work for a startup, I've I've likened it to playing whack-a-mole in that there are so many things that come up and you can't really figure out what is the most important when everything truly does feel like a priority. So after I was able to figure out, you know, what my approach to all of these things popping up was going to be, then I got really hooked on the pace. And since then, that's been my favorite part of it. Just kind of that anticipation of, okay, it feels like this right now. What's going to break? What's not going to scale? And more of like a thinking ahead rather than being completely reactive as I was, you know, when I first started figuring out how to onboard myself, (laughs) because when you have three extremely busy co-founders who are responsible, in my case, for different parts of the business and new managers, we had some folks that, you know, this was their first job out of college. 
didn't even really know, you know, my, the most popular question was like, I have this tax form. What am I supposed to do with this, you know, W4? <laughs> so, but that evolves, right? So as the business is growing, as things are changing, so do people's lives. We started out with a bunch of folks who were sub 25 who came in, you know, unmarried without children who then, you know, were adding dependents or had to take care of parents or trying to figure out, you know, what their life was going to be like and how working for Revzilla, you know, kind of fit into that. What felt like a new company every six months, basically, sometimes every four months, depending on how quickly we were growing. And then we were going into different cities and things. So I, I think, you know, what got me really excited about it, like I said, was the pace. And then when it was time, you know, when I, when I decided to leave the business, I felt like I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to go back to trying to help leaders anticipate or kind of like see around the curve. Going out on my own has afforded me the opportunity to do that with more than one company. I kind of like indulged in myself a little bit and creating, you know, my own version of a startup and then working for all of these other companies who are trying to grow as quickly as they can, but do so in a responsible way that really does think about how it affects their people. Tell you, making that jump, when you go to a startup, and like you said, this Revzilla was kind of your first jump into that pool. If someone is looking at potentially getting into that space, what would you tell them? To, how, do, how do you prepare for that? I'm working with three co-founders. They're running a million different directions, a million miles an hour. And I've got to obviously rein that in, but also I'm building out stuff. What would you suggest to someone that gets presented a similar opportunity? Because here you are, you get presented the opportunity, you really... I don't know what your familiarity with startups was other than the term, right? I mean, if it's mm -hmm. your first time, how do you prepare for that? Well, my familiarity was none, to, to be completely <laughs> honest. Right? So enough. I'll put that out there because I think it's like super relevant because not everyone has had the opportunity to work for a startup before. And I think, you know, at least for me at the time, this was like, two, when was this? 20, it's like 2011, 2012, it doesn't matter. But at the time it was, you know, the startup, vibe was very much beers and happy hour, you know, foosball tables or like, we're all going to hang out. We're all going to have fun. And that to a point like is kind of what happens at startups, but no one really prepares you for possibly planning to sleep at your desk because you have a really important thing that has to get done or major disruptions to the business that when you are growing seem like it could be a minor blip, but in reality, if your website's down for 45 minutes and you know it's the day before the, the holiday shopping season, that will cripple you, right? So even if you don't know how to write code and even if you can't fix the problem, how are you going to be the one that is keeping everyone rallied and supporting everything that's going on in the business? My advice to someone who is interested in joining a startup would be don't expect anyone to onboard you, especially if you're the HR person you really need to figure out how to do that yourself. I'll use myself as an example. I knew nothing about the motorsports or power sports industry. I always had an appreciation for things that uh, like vehicles that, you know, went really fast and were really loud. I've watched a lot of NASCAR. I've been to a lot of races. Outside of that, I didn't know anything about e-commerce other than I like to shop on the internet, like the end, right? So when you get there, you realize, okay, now I have to figure out how to read a P&L, which I think a lot of HR people often skip out on the businessy stuff of where they work. And it's really important to be able to follow the money. If you're going to propose a new program, you have to know when it's affordable to do that. 
So you're going to be making strong financial recommendations and big financial decisions. The only way to do that is to be able to follow the money. So in addition to figuring out what your customer base is, you have to, like as the startup HR person, think like the chief marketing officer, figure out you know, what the CFO is looking at, what is front of mind for the founders who are running this business. The life cycle of a customer, I think, is really important. Trying to anticipate when it's going to be very busy so you can prepare for hiring. And then also, what are you going to do with all of the people that you hired to support a spike in business when there's a drop-off, especially if you were like me in a heavily um, retail cyclical environment where you're gearing up for uh, riding season or holiday season, then you have all of these employees and what happens when there's a drop-off. So being able to understand everything that was going on in the business is going to help you as this startup HR person be what the business needs as a partner because you understand the business itself. Wow, lots of great advice there. Uh, I don't know much about the startup world, but that was a... Uh, the TED Talk version of <laughs> of a lesson there, I think, <laughs> or a Disrupt HR version of, uh, of a lesson. So I love it. Talking about helping people and, and helping startups um, in your current world and in, in consulting outside of COVID, because we're all tired of talking about COVID. What was one of the biggest issues facing your clients and what's been your top advice for that issue? A couple months ago, or I guess at this point, it's a good... 10 months ago, nine months ago, I was working with folks and trying to figure out how to keep the employees that they had. Because I think the initial response to COVID was, I have to apply for a PPP loan. I don't even know what that means. I don't know how to use this money. Now I have to lay off all my people. And speaking with them, it just became more about how, how can you pivot because you have this institutional knowledge, right? So assume that you're going to be able to afford to keep them with you, but the job that they were doing may become not obsolete, but they might not be able to return to that position in its fullest capacity for the foreseeable future. Instead of hiring new talent to support this significant business pivot that you had, how can you repurpose the knowledge that they already have? Good example was brick and mortar retail environment. So you have someone that either works in a store or has an intimate knowledge of product. Well, no one's going to be physically going into a store for a while, or when it was safe to do so, it was at a limited capacity, which means there's not enough reason to support staff helping people who are physically shopping. So instead of having that person kind of lose their job, if your business had to pivot because everyone started to shop online and people could not keep up with the demand of e-commerce, the person who knows the product in store, they know the product just as well as online. So how can you take that knowledge, that institutional knowledge, that product knowledge, whatever they might know very deeply because it was their entire responsibility, can they write product descriptions? Can they support anyone that's on the online merchandising team and trying to figure out, you know, the product is the same, you just talk to customers in a different way. So instead of training someone brand new to support this enormous increase in demand for the online presence, how can you take someone that you already have that's working for you, keep their job and repurpose that knowledge? That was what I was spending a decent amount of time doing, I think initially when you know COVID happened. And then as we're kind of moving into this next phase of what it looks like, obviously everyone is talking about hybrid work environment. I've started calling it blended work environment because that makes sense for some people. 
um, and what the future of a workplace is going to look like and feel like. I have one client that was completely work from home averse pre-COVID. Then having crushed it for the last 12 months, they're like, you can work from anywhere. And I thought, are you sure that's what you want to do? Because when you say work from anywhere and someone ups and moves to Fiji and now they're working overnight because you're going to try to keep them on East Coast hours, how manageable is that? So like, let's talk through all of these things before you do a complete 180 from what your business was like pre-COVID. And now you're saying, you know, kind of this work from anywhere. I think like lots of folks either in a consultative mode like myself or people who work in-house, I'm sure that is front of mind for everyone, is this next phase, going back to work safely, and do you really have to go back and physically work in an office are the, the hot topics right now. Talia, Fiji was a very specific choice. Are you looking to relocate to Fiji? <laughs> no, but I actually used Fiji as a working example in a policy that I helped write <laughs> for a company. So it was like, I just went through this yesterday. So it was kind of like, front of mind. The goal there was to help folks who in a very specific demographic understand that this isn't realistic because while living in Fiji would be awesome, working from midnight to 9am to support East Coast clients is not awesome. So if you're going to move there, do so that it's going to, you know, feed your personal experience as well as support your professional career. And that's just not a very viable option. Beyond the remote work, work from anywhere concept, what do you think HR Pro should be focused on for the, the remainder of this year and, and going into 2022? A lot of the conversations I'm having in my network are from folks who didn't feel like they were making an impact with their leadership teams prior to COVID. And then of all of the things in the world to make businesses understand the value if they didn't already understand the value of HR, people operations, whatever you want to call it, pre-COVID, of course, it would take some sort of global health crisis for businesses to realize that this function is extremely important. Going into 2022, it seems like the conversation is, you know, I had the attention of my leadership team for an extended period of time. I really enjoyed the decisions I was able to influence, the impact I was able to make, and I want to keep that how do I make sure that I don't go back to being just kind of this nonprofit center department that could have been considered, you know, nothing more than the onboarding people, the happiness people, you know, something that isn't strategic, something that's not directly impacting the bottom line of the business. I don't want to say concern, but conversation, good conversation around how do I stay front of mind? I was the go-to person for a very intense period of time. And I want to be the go-to person for strategic reasons going forward, not when, when not always when there's something wrong. So it's really trying to stay front of mind for all the right reasons and not go back to, you know, how folks were feeling about their role or the function pre-COVID. I had an interesting conversation with Robin Schooling that was entirely focused around, you know, some of the folks who are kind of like maybe early on in their career, or they're still trying to figure out, you know, what their place is in, in HR and how their function is respected within the organization. It came down to like, what is the hill that you want to die on? <laughs> you know, at one point in time, it was kind of, I remember getting into a very intense argument over paying people to go to jury duty and how minor that seems at the time. Now, well, I mean, right. now. <laughs> exactly. But that 
for whatever reason was a hill that I was ready to die on jury duty of all things. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, would, I would still die on that hill, but given everything that it was going on in my business at the time, that is such a ridiculous thing that I chose in that moment to like really put my foot down and say like, no, we have to pay people for their civic duty. Now that you have the attention of your leadership team and they've seen what you've been able to do as an HR leader for the last year, using that to your advantage, taking that confidence and everything that you learn about phrasing and not operating from a place of fear and not being reactive, taking that and how and, and making sure that you can flip that to a point where, you know what, you listened to me for a solid 12 months plus, you should continue and you need to continue to listen to me now. So while it's not the die on the hill of paying people for their civic duty, because that's not entirely worth it, um, but how do you maintain that approach and how do you keep that positive focus on the function? We have been working with others and getting, getting questions from some of our previous guests. Gary Turner asks, what do you think you'll be doing in 12 months time? Professionally, I would still like to be doing this consulting work because I've had a pretty good time over the last 12 months, despite, you know, starting this thing a whole four weeks before COVID. <laughs> um, so I'd like to keep that going. Personally, I cannot wait to travel again. I, I can't wait to go and experience new cultures and eat new food. I love food. Um, so getting back to a place where, um, you know, I can try something new. Um, and so where I see myself in 12 months is still doing this work, but who knows, maybe it is in Fiji. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Working in Fiji in the middle of the night and sleeping on the beach during <laughs> the day, you know? Yeah. I think this job that we have that we're very fortunate to do gives so many possibilities and I want to stay open to whatever they may be. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by People Element. People Element helps you act with confidence to improve the work experience for your employees and improve productivity, retention, and engagement. Their flexible, all-in-one employee experience and engagement measurement solution gives you an enduring capability to understand your people and take the right actions to continuously improve the things that matter to the success of your business. People Element is built for your success. To learn more about People Element, visit peopleelement.com. Thanks again to People Element for sponsoring the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Talia, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? I legitimately thought being Indiana Jones was a real thing. I can't tell you what age I was when I saw, I saw them out of order. Temple of Doom was the first Indiana Jones movie that I saw. And I was like, this is totally a job. I'm going to be an archaeologist. <laughs> I'm going to travel all over the place. I'm going to live through danger. And that's a real thing. That decision to be an archaeologist was confirmed when I did get to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and I wanted to, I mean, obviously at some point, I don't remember when I realized that wasn't a viable option. And then I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I wanted to be an attorney for a long time. I think I was like a senior in high school when the OJ Simpson trial was going on. Quite honestly, it had everything to do with now that I 
look back on that time getting dressed up and wearing suits and heels and being in a courtroom and like having it be super amazing and looking very powerful. When I graduated high school, uh, the first time I went to college, I went in like completely undeclared because at that point I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so for a while I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I love it. Talia, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Oh, that is a good question. It's like so many people because we haven't had the opportunity to meet folks in real life. I think, you know, being online, I don't I don't know that he knows that he I would say that he's in my network. We've never spoken in real life, but Adam Karpiak is hilarious. His experiences in recruiting and also as someone who, you know, is out on his own, especially over the last 12 months, just seeing his interactions with job seekers and the market just being so full of extraordinary talent trying to find, you know, their next place, just watching him on Twitter. So I don't know that we're necessarily in each other's networks, but I've had some nice interactions with him. I've been able to refer people to him for resume writing and resume review. That's definitely not something that I would say is in my wheelhouse. So I'm really happy to know a new person to send folks to. Talia, how do you maintain balance? In my life? However you decide to interpret. I don't think I do a very good job of that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think about work pretty much all the time. Um, and I don't know that I've ever left that pace of being an in-house person that was growing a business for an extended period of time. The, you know, thinking about people in general, what's going on, you know, having made a recommendation for a decision to be made, how that affects a business, a person. I don't know that I necessarily have like the best balance. I think that being able to make my own schedule now has helped that, but always keeping an eye on email, thinking about what I'm going to be doing next for work, you know, from a business continuity standpoint, honestly, until I think I'm able to, because the last 12 months haven't been, they, they were not what I envisioned when I thought about going out on my own, that's for sure. So I think as we kind of move into this next phase, I was super fortunate to get vaccinated a couple of days ago. As we think about what the future looks like, I'm looking forward, I think, to discovering what that balance is once I'm able to do all of the things that I personally used to love to do and bringing that back into my life while working. Tell you, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? I say yes to every person that wants to spend time with me. When I worked at Revzilla, the three co-founders were huge, huge networking people. They were gracious in giving back to the Philly startup community. They were gracious in giving their time away, and they impressed upon every leader to do the same thing. And we were able to do a ton of really great work from, you know, within the HR space and folks that were, you know, in similar positions as myself and my team would reach out and say, you know, we heard about this recruiting program that you were doing. Can we, can you tell us more about that? We would invite people in because I can't really explain to you what it is that we do until you actually see it. And the important part of having someone see it is helping them understand that just because it worked for us doesn't mean it's going to work for you. If you can't copy and paste, and I think there's a temptation for startups to, you know, admire a company, which is great, but you can't necessarily take something that one person is doing, one company is doing, one function is doing, and put it into your business. So we would teach, we would invite people to come in and see it, and they would leave with our program. 
like we would have an SOP for a lot of what we were doing because we were growing so quickly, we needed it written down. So we'd hand off our playbook and then have folks adapt what their program could look like. You know, it may have been similar to ours, but we would always encourage them to make it their own, but they had all the pieces, parts to do that. Since going out on my own, I still take calls, you know, from everyone who wants to speak with me about pretty much whatever it might be. I am a mentor to the Philly Startup Leaders Accelerator cohorts. They run two cohorts each year, one in the spring for 12 weeks and one in the fall for 12 weeks. So I've been their mentor. There's anywhere between 10 and 20 extremely early stage founders that are pre-funding or you know, pre-series A, super early they have a lot of questions, um, but I'm their um, how to build a team mentor. I keep saying yes every chance I get. And I also am a big fan of skills-based volunteering. There's a group out here that I work with called New Leash on Life USA. And it is a recidivism reduction program that pairs rescue dogs with people experiencing incarceration and sets them on a path for job placement post-release. And I go in and help them learn how to write a resume. I teach them basic interview skills and what it's like to re-enter the workplace after experiencing incarceration. So I'm their job readiness facilitator. I feel like skills-based volunteering is, is a really easy thing to do because you're giving back. If you can't do so uh, from a financial standpoint, you always have something that you know how to do. You can teach to someone else. That's cool. Talia, what is your favorite movie? I'll go back to Indiana Jones, right? I mean, that's that's a thing. But the one movie that I can watch over and over and over again is Crazy Stupid Love. That movie makes me laugh every single time. That was like the one thing that came to mind outside of, you know, Indiana Jones, of course. Tell you, what's the first concert you remember attending? Boys to Men, of course, keep it Philly. And the best part about that is at the time, because no one knew who she was, Brandy was the opening act. So this wow. is like... <laughs> Boys to Men, a million years ago, but yeah, pure Philadelphia. What was the last show you binge watched? I guess I'm kind of. I guess I'm doing one or two now. If you, if there is like such a thing to kind of like split it up, marathon watching Killing Eve. And my husband has never seen The Sopranos, and it's been a very long time since I've watched the show. I watched it when it was on every Sunday, so marathon watching uh, The Sopranos as well. Talia, what's something that you do, a hobby or something that you're really into that may surprise people? I love cigars. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's kind of, I don't know, It's it's a it can be very social, but it's also a really great thing to do solo. Read a book. You know, it's very zen to kind of like chill out. And usually for me anyway, when I have a cigar, I don't move around. I'm in one place for a period of time. I know that it's a committed 90 minutes, two hour event where I get to be either, you know, by myself or at least I'm in one place, right? So I know that I'm not going to, you know, have to stop in the middle of something and then and get up and go do something else. And I also think it's neat because, you know, there's a lot that, that there's a lot that goes into cigars, you know, the wrap, what's inside, where they come from. So you can, there's a lot you can learn too. Um, I think people are pretty consistently surprised to know that I, I love cigars. You and John Nicolaysian, right? Yes, he's cigar, his handle is cigar PHR or something like that, right? Yeah, we met once like a long, long time ago and it's at a conference and yeah, we've never had a cigar together. And like I said, we met very briefly, but I've heard about him. Finally, Talia, if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, 
what would it be? I was thinking about this and I'm not sure like the phrasing. I would say, you know, when you look back over the last 12 months, where have you been the most impactful? I think that could be personal, professional. I think in very small ways, we've all had the opportunity to be impactful. You know, a text message, how are you? But like, really, how are you doing? Or even at work, there's so much that's happened over the last year. I, I genuinely hope everyone has found an opportunity to be impactful in some way. Tay, I think that was phrased very well. And I appreciate you saying yes to us, yes. to <laughs> being willing to come back on. Like Wendy said, I feel like we've gotten a, a real schooling, particularly when it comes to startups and schooling, Robin. But uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> really so much appreciate you coming back again. You do win the prize for coming back in the shortest amount of time. If those listeners missed that first episode with Tamara, which we're going to tell them to go back and listen to, but if they missed that one and they're not connected, best way for them to reach you out there. Sure. So my email address is talia at hrmbconsulting.com. Um, so you can email me anytime. And the website for my business is hrmbconsulting.com. And then I'm not super active for work things on Twitter. Um, but my handle is T-G-W-E-E-D-E-D. -E -E and we can connect there too, as long as you're willing to read about fantasy football and retweets of Philly sports. <laughs> and, you know, we can connect there too. We will have those in the show notes. And then Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. Uh, best way, as always, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, I want to thank People Element for joining us for the month of May and for sponsoring this show and a lot of other great things to come. But for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com for the show. Follow wherever you are. Just hit follow. That's all we ask anymore. You want to share it? That's even better. But follow on, on whatever platform you're on. International listeners, we had an entire month of international guests. I know you've been listening because we see it. Let's talk so we can have you on as well. Tell you again, appreciate you so much for being with us. And again, for saying yes, we can't thank you enough for that. For the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 